Let me greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We praise the Lord for this morning. Again, for the spring that is coming in early. I uh, praise the Lord for every season. <laughs> um, let me welcome Enos as he has uh, introduced himself. Uh, uh, enjoy yourself. We get to know him after church. I also see uh, Maputi's mom and, and sister. Sister, right? Uh, Maputi's mom and sister. Um, we welcome you and uh, uh, yeah, uh, enjoy yourselves as well uh, after church. Get to know them as well. I think Maputi's mom is, has been coming here, so <laughs> most of you know her. Um, so, yeah. Um, we usually go through uh, James as our um, series that we are doing, um, James Practical Christianity, but today I just want to take a, a bit of a detour um, and um, take you to Second Timothy. Um, we, the last time we, we were in James, we were in James chapter 4, and we looked at um, warnings against worldliness right, and how worldliness affects the lives of Christians in, in three ways, how it affects their prayer life, uh, how it affects the, the, the community, um, and how it affects their relationship with God. Uh, one of the things that worldliness does, it, 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 it makes us drift away from God. It, it, we, we start to stray away from God, right? We, we, we start, um, in our Christian walk, we we become inconsistent. So I want to take you to 2 Timothy and just encourage you from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. And, 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 and my title or my topic for, for, for this session would be um, consistency in the Christian walk. Consistency in the Christian walk. I want to call you to walk consistently with God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 up until verse 7. I read from the ESV, this is God's word, let us hear him. You then, by a child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will, who will be able to, to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he, he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who are to have the, the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of your word, your word that speaks to us in power and in conviction. We pray that our hearts will be opened, our minds will be ready to understand your truth as you lead us by your Holy Spirit. Speak to our lives, O oh God. Encourage us and lead us in your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Consistency in the Christian walk. Uh, what do you understand about the word 
consistency. What comes to your mind when you hear uh, people saying consistency? Uh, the word consistency means to be marked by harmony, by regularity or a steady continuity, to do something continuous. And in the Christian context, consistency is a character that is marked by continuous faithfulness to God. Continuous faithfulness to God. The Bible gives us men and women who are marked by consistency in their walk with God. We have the example of Paul, who although he experienced great trials in his life, he, he continues steadfastly to be committed to God. We see him at the end of his life saying confidently in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Through thick and thin, in his Christian walk, he continued faithfully working with God. There was a consistency in his life. In moments where there was peace and in moments where he was experiencing great persecution and trial, he continued walking with the Lord. We also see people who were not consistent in their Christian walk with God. Paul talks about Demas in chapter 4 verse 10. Listen to what he says about Demas. Listen carefully what he says. He says, Demas, in love with this present world, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He loved the world. He was charmed by the world. His heart was in the things of the world. Remember that Demas was a disciple of Paul who, who went on evangelistic uh, trips and, and was considered a Christian by many. But, but, but we see at the end of his life that to him, the world was more appealing than Christ. He was in love with this present world. And here in Timothy, in 2 Timothy, we find the Apostle Paul writing his last epistle before his death. And, and he addresses it to Timothy. When you read through the letter, we can see a picture of who Timothy was. He was a sickly, fearful young pastor with a task too big for his shoes. I feel like that is describing me in some ways. And this created a dilemma in his heart, a temptation to jump sheep, to, to give up the faith. So, so Paul writes, all that in mind to encourage this young man to continue faithfully in his walk with God. Paul is aware that Tim Timothy is afraid. He he's aware that, that Timothy wants to give it all up because he knows that the man who was confident is about to go. The man who, who I would go into battlefields with is about to die. I will be left alone. So he, he, he's thinking, what am I going to do? And Paul knows this very well. So he writes this letter. I'm, I'm not sure where you are in your journey with God. I'm not sure if you are working joyously in grace or you are languishing 
in your walk with God. If you are walking joyously, in grace, enjoying fellowship with God, praise the Lord. And I hope that as you hear this sermon, it will fuel that, that joy and energy and encourages you to, to walk deeper with God. But I feel that the most common shared experience among Christians is that of discouragement, right? In the face of trouble. You might be here contemplating living the faith, or you might be at a point where you are discouraged in your faith, where you are no longer as you used to be. You, 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 you don't read the Bible as consistently as you, read, you used to read the Bible. You don't pray as much as you used to pray. You, you, you can feel that there's something that is, that is not right. Uh, but you don't know what to do. You don't know how to repair that life. I, I feel that that is a shared experience among Christians. You lost all joy. You are distancing yourself from fellow Christians. You are slowly giving up the faith. If that is you, if that describes you, I want to speak to you today. I want you to find encouragement in the words of Paul to Timothy that are found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. Here in these words we find, we see three encouraging truths about an, a consistent Christian. Three encouraging truths about a consistent Christian. A consistent Christian, first of all, fully relies on God. And secondly, they faithfully make disciples. And thirdly, they are ready to suffer for Christ. Let us look at the first truth about a consistent Christian. They, they fully rely on God. Fully rely on God. Look at verse 1. Timothy say, Paul says to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace that is in, that is in Christ Jesus. And note that as Paul writes this, this, this verse. In chapter 1, the, the last three verses of chapter 1, Paul speaks about people who turned away from him. And, and among these people were Phygelius and, and Hermogenes. In the midst of, of those people was one man by the name of Onesiphorus. And his household, Paul says they continued to stand with, with him while others were deserting him. And Paul urges Timothy here that he too, in the midst of people that are backsliding, should stand his ground. In order for him to stand his ground, Paul calls him to rely fully on God. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you're a careful Bible reader, you will notice that Paul is not saying to Timothy here, be strong, as if Timothy had strength in himself. Right? He is not saying to him, trust in yourself. That would, be, that would be ridiculous, considering the fact that, by nature, Timothy was not a confident young man. Right? <coughs> Confidence was not in his DNA. He, he, he was a timid, fearful young man. 
that would not be biblical as well. The Bible does not call us to trust in self. Consider Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says, cursed is the man or woman who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, it says, let not the mighty boast in his strength. Paul knew very well, and so he can't be telling Timothy here to be strong in himself. Uh, note carefully here what he's saying. He says, be strengthened. Right? Be strengthened. And this is a passive verb, meaning that Tim Timothy is receiving the strength and not creating the strength. Right? He's not some, some kind of strength generator trying to generate strength and encouraging himself, but he's receiving strength that is being given to him. The strength, in other words, it is outside Timothy. It does not come from within him. It is received strength, not created strength. And we see in this next verse, he says, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see that? The resources, that, the, the resources for Christian living are not found in ourselves, but in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, we do not just need grace, the grace of God for salvation, but we also need the grace of God for Christian living, right? For our Christian walk, for Christian consistency. We need the grace of God. And I believe Paul here, I believe that Paul is urging Timothy to rely on this strength simply because he himself experienced it. It is like a man who has benefited a lot from a medicine that he can't stop recommending it to those who are sick. Right? You were sick to a point of, you know, you were bedridden. And someone comes and gives you some, some medicine, strange medicine. It, it, it miraculously works and gets you up. And you hear about someone who's sick, who's who is experiencing the same sickness that you used to experience. What do you do? You become an ambassador for that medicine, right? You tell them about it. You want to, you want to uh, um, bring it before them so that they can take it. Paul in the same way, has experienced the strength that is in Christ Jesus. Right? Now he, he recommends it to Timothy, to, to Timothy who is weak, and, 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 and he, he, he brings it before him. Uh, Jesus said to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, remember when Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he was praying. Three times he prayed, but it was not removed. And, and Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, brothers and sisters, it delights the heart of God when we, in our weaknesses, run to him for strength. When we are like the singer who says, I need thee every hour. Oh, precious Lord, 
temptations lose their power. When you are near, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to you. The safest place for a weak Christian to be in is the arms of God. Do you feel discouraged? Do you feel like you're losing your strength in, in the faith? That there is the vitality that used to be there is not there anymore? Or perhaps you've fallen into some kind of sin and you feel like God is far from you. You, you feel like that fellowship that you used to enjoy with God is, is not there anymore. Perhaps you've stumbled upon something on the internet that you were not supposed to see. And you feel like you're not there anymore. You're not you, 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 are, you, are, you, you are far from God. You feel like you are in a desert where there's no refreshing water. Let me encourage you this morning. Run to God. God will not push you back. Run to him. He's ready. He's calling. He's welcoming. So Paul shows us that a consistent Christian, first of all, fully relies on God. And secondly, a consistent Christian faithfully makes disciples. A, a, a consistent Christian faithfully makes disciples. Look at verse 2. Paul says to Timothy, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to trust, to teach others also. Uh, there is nothing so encouraging to the soul like passing on the truth of God's word to the next generation. Uh, and, and, and this is the most neglected aspect in the Christian faith. Even though it is the last thing that Jesus charged his church with to, to, to make disciples, we still neglect it. If, if, if I was to, to, to stand here and call you one by one, many would be embarrassed if they were asked the question, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Uh, Timothy's task was, was simple. And many people were deserting the truth. He, he was to make it his aim to pass it on to others. And you see, the truth thrives when it is passed on from one generation to the other. The surest way to cultivate the continuity of, of sound doctrine in the local church is by training men and women in the things of the faith who will also be able to train other men and women. It's by training young men, young women, being involved in each other's lives. You see, the, the surest way to cultivate as well a legacy of godliness in our families is to pass on these truths that we believe faithfully to our families. Negatively, let me say it negatively, 
negatively the surest way to lose a generation to the world is by not training them in the ways of the Lord and thinking that they will know it by themselves. The surest way to lose a generation is by neglecting them, is by you yourself prioritizing things that God is not calling you to prioritize, by prioritizing things of the world instead of your priority with God. And your children are observing you. The next generation is observing you. Let me show you one thing that, that really breaks my heart every time I read this verse. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this verse. It was after the time of Joshua, remember. Joshua had led a generation and, 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 and was charging them to be faithful to God. Listen to this. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. They died. Listen to this. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. There arose another generation knew nothing about the Lord. Remember how they were supposed to know about the Lord, right? God was saying, you must teach these to your children. When you sit down, when you walk by the wayside, when you go to sleep, you must relay these truths to your children. You must tell them about the God of Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. You must tell them to love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your might, with everything in you. Uh, you must tell them and teach them these things. But it seems that these things were neglected. And a generation was lost to the world. The next generation of uh, whose, whose, whose parents were Christians and they are straying from the world. They are pursuing a life of sin. This generation is to blame. The blood of a generation that strays away from God is on the hands of a generation that does not pass the word of God to them. Notice a few things here about Timothy, about what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, first of all, had to learn this truth. Paul says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, Timothy was privileged to, to sit under the apostolic ministry of Paul. He heard the teachings of Paul. He heard Paul teach about the holiness of God, about the seriousness of sin, about the saving work of Christ, the, the call for Christians to live a holy life. He heard Paul declare the whole counsel of God. Uh, this is the message that Paul declared everywhere he went. And Timothy was privileged to learn and to hear from Paul. John Stott explains that this phrase here, that Timothy learned and heard everything, it, it, it explains that it refers to the totality of Paul's instructions over the years. Not a secret tradition handed to him privately, but a public instruction 
whose truth was guaranteed by many witnesses who heard it and who could therefore check Timothy's teaching against the apostles. In other words, it was biblical. What, what, this is the principle here that we need to take. A disciple maker is one who has been discipled himself or herself. Right? You have to learn God's truth before you pass it on to others. Just as a teacher needs to be taught before they, they teach others. So a disciple needs to be discipled before discipling others. Right? You, don't, you don't just wake up and go to school and say, I'm going to become a school teacher. There has to be some kind of training right, that you go through. And, 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 and when I'm saying Christians must be trained, I'm not saying that you must go to seminary. I'm not saying you must go to Bible college, but I'm saying you must avail yourself to the teaching of God's word. You have to study God's word. You have to love the preaching of God's word. You cannot help feed the soul of others while your soul is empty and hungry itself. The second thing to notice here uh, Timothy had to identify faithful men who could teach. Right? He had to identify faithful men who could teach. He says, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The word entrust has the idea of giving something that is of worth to someone you know that they will take care of it. Nothing is of more importance than the word of God, right? Paul says it makes one wise unto salvation in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And Peter says it is the living and abiding word that brings about the new birth. Job says to God about the word, he says, I desire your word more than my necessary food. You see, the word of God it's not a treasure you hide hoping to keep it to yourself. But it's a treasure that should be given to everyone. And let me stress this further here. A consistent Christian is seen in faithfully making disciples because they know that the joy that is found in God, they know the joy that is found in God and they don't want to keep it to themselves. Right? Oftentimes we look at the, 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 the disciple-making thing and we say, no, this is a, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, a responsibility for elders and, 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 and pastors. It, it's not our responsibility as the church. We, just, we, we, we pay you, pastor, and, and, and go do the work of discipleship. But the Bible doesn't say that. Let us not make up our own truths. Let the Bible shape the way we think. Disciple making is for each and every single Christian. Wherever you are, just remember this, wherever you are, you are a missionary for God. You are an ambassador sent for God. And let me say this, if you are not sharing the gospel with anyone, you are an unfaithful ambassador. 
doesn't matter who you are. You are an, an unfaithful ambassador. The community that you find yourself in, the community is the community that God has placed you in. The people that you encounter on your daily living is the people that God is causing you to encounter. And if you are not faithfully making disciples, you are an unfaithful disciple. Nothing quenches the joy of a Christian like isolating themselves from the world. And another thing is nothing quenches the joy of a Christian like sin. A Christian can go through the fires of persecution as we saw and still be joyful. They can lose all their possessions and still sing as though they had everything. But when sin enters the life of a Christian, there can never be joy. Furthermore, that Christian cannot faithfully make disciples. Sin quenches the zeal of a Christian in the same way that water quenches fire. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anyone that is currently discipling you? Do you have anyone currently discipling you? Are you currently discipling someone? Now, let me say this. If you don't have anyone, look for someone to disciple you. If you're not discipling anyone, look for someone to disciple so Paul says, a consistent Christian, first of all, re fully relies on God. Secondly, they faithfully make disciples. And thirdly, and lastly, a consistent Christian is ready to suffer for Christ. Is ready to suffer for Christ. And we see that in verses 3 to verse 7. Verses 3 to verse 7. Paul says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Suffering. <laughs> Suffering can cause people to live the faith. Difficulty can cause people to stay away from the faith. But Paul, the word of God, is saying here that a consistent Christian is ready to suffer for Christ. When you come to Christ and Christ saves you, there's a vow that you are making as, as the same vow that you make when you, when you get married for better or worse. Right? When trouble comes into the marriage, we don't pack our bags and leave. 
We don't do that, right? For better or worse. Notice verse 3, Paul says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This was signified to us that there were trying times that Timothy was about to experience. It, 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 Timothy, Paul is not saying to, to Timothy, it will all be well for you. Things will go well, things will go smoothly. Paul is, is acknowledging what Timothy is seeing, right? Timothy is seeing it and he wants to run away. But Paul doesn't say, no, no, don't worry about it. it it's not coming, you'll be fine. Paul says, yes, it's coming. But as a, as, a, as a servant of Christ, as a disciple, as a consistent Christian, be ready to share in suffering. Christianity in this time was still illegal. His mentor was in prison and was about to be executed for his faith. And remember how Paul would be arrested and he would think that he would be executed, but he would be released. But this time, it was really true. He would be executed. And so, in that situation, there's a temptation to give up. There's a temptation to run away from, from the faith. Paul, aware of such a temptation, exhausts Timothy, share in suffering. In other words, be ready to suffer for Christ. Paul himself, in his ministry, experienced suffering for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 3, verse 11, Paul reminds Timothy of, of his own persecutions and sufferings that he suffered in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. And he says about these sufferings that they were persecutions that he endured. In other words, Paul is, is, is not painting a rosy picture of a carefree life of Christianity. It is unfortunate that in our day, this is what is peddled around as Christianity. People are promised that Jesus will come and give them wealth and give them health and give them prosperity. Come to Jesus and everything will be okay. People are being promised these things. They are promised that if they come to Jesus, things will go well with them. That they will have bigger houses, they will have fancy cars, they will have a life of perpetual health. But Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy here, be ready to suffer. The truth here is, is that being a Christian can get you hated at your job. You might not even be thought of as cool in school. Your unbelieving husband might start abusing you when you come to the faith. Your in-laws might hate you because of your Christianity. Paul says in, in, in chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It will come and I submit to you today, if you come to Christ, do not come to him because you expect him to do things for you, but come to him because of who he is. Come to Christ, for, not for what Christ gives, but come to Christ for Christ. 
just like the psalmist who says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Paul uses three pictures here. We're not going to look at them in detail for the sake of time. He uses three pictures of a soldier, and an athlete, and, and a farmer. These three ideas are to show what suffering as a Christian involves. As a soldier, he wants to show us that a Christian must be marked by endurance in the course of Christ. Right? Focus. Not entangling yourself in civilian pursuit. A soldier focuses on the task that they are, they are given. And they endure. He uses the picture of an athlete, the image of an athlete. An athlete who, who runs according to the rules. And this is the idea that Paul is communicating. He's communicating the, the idea of self-discipline. That there must be discipline in the Christian life. He uses the image of a farmer. A farmer who works hard. Hard work and, and patience. Right? A farmer does not go to plow the field and plant and then come back the next day and expect a harvest. He waits and, and waits and waits. There's hard work and there's patience. Let's go back to the idea of making disciples, right? Sometimes you would share the gospel with people. You expect them to, to, to respond immediately, and that's good, right? That's a, that's a good expectation, but sometimes it does not happen. For me personally, the gospel was shared to me as a child, and I rejected it as a, as a teenager. And late in my teens, I came back to Christ. Faithfully sharing the gospel, but my heart was not responding. But patiently, praying, waiting, putting in the hard work. Right? A hard-working farmer. As a Christian, the Bible is calling you to be marked by consistency in your work with God. To, to have a heart that does not shift from its hope. A spirit that is drawing strength from Christ alone. A delight in the gospel and a desire to pass it on to the next generation. God is calling you. In your discouragement even now. To remember. To be faithful. And consistent. In your weakness. In the strength that is now gone, run to him. Run to him. His arms are wide open to receive you. He will not push you back. He will not say, I told you so. I told you that you cannot do it in your own strength. He will open his arms and receive you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we find in your word. Thank you that you, your arms are always opened. 
that when we are weak, when we are without strength, when we are languishing and have lost energy and vitality, that you still call us to yourself to fill us once again. I pray, O oh God, for those who have lost the, the, the joy in the faith, that you restore it, O oh God. Give them an abundance of joy, an abundance of the Christian life to remember you in their walk. Glorify your name, O oh God, as you draw them to yourself. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.